Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, Vietnam. It's Nate back with you here on Wide Men Can't Jump. And joining me as always, not from Vietnam, but from the place where the free healthcare roams free like the moose and the elk and whatever the hell else is up there. The man, the myth, the legend, Tim Dombrova. Ah, oh, man, I can smell that. The smell of free healthcare is in the air. The smell of free healthcare, <sighs> and you're going to need it if you have the poutine, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I want to kick off this episode here. Uh, first of all, happy happy belated birthday to White Men Can't Jump family member Nick Hoff. Uh, happy Indeed. birthday, Nick, who's been an avid listener for uh, most of the time this show's been around. So thank you, Nick. For your continued support and uh, happy birthday. And tell your lovely wife, Danielle, I said hello. She, uh, Danielle and I went are in the same school right now, and she's way ahead of me. But uh, Danielle's great. So great family there. Congratulations to you two. And uh, Nick, Smart, hope you had a great uh, birthday. Smart guy, that Nick Hoff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Marry, marry yourself a, a pharmacist. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. Good man. Not Good man, a, Nick. Not a bad move at all. <laughs> but no, his Danielle's fantastic. So congratulations, guys, and uh, hope everything's going well for you. All right, Tim, you wanted Tim has told me that this has to start the show. Um, he heard it earlier. The reports have been flying in. Uh, Twitter's going nuts. Uh, well, before see, we dive um, into the, this is by the way is our ninety seventh episode, uh, and we're going to kick it off with a bang. Yeah, the reason is is because uh, Cecil had to uh, do some fact checking about some of the things he was hearing up there in Boston. So yeah. uh, I had to I had to uh, I had to get some sources to confirm a couple things, and uh, and, okay. and inadvertently I got to hear about this, some of the stories. So uh, okay, well Tim Tim let, let me in on the roll it on Cecil's baby. on Cecil's reporting, and we want to thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, you'll probably hear our intro after this, but let's go ahead and now. It's week two of the Bogus Concession Stand Report. We now take you live to a Wide Men Can't Jump special news report. Good evening, everyone. This is me, Cecil B. Buxnart. I'm here in Boston on leg two of the Ed Bogus NBA Concession Stand World Tour. And I can tell you people, there has been some unbelievable developments here tonight. Um, Boston ownership, of course, has pulled out all the stops to impress Ed Bogus and, uh, of course, Commissioner Silver, who we have it on good authority. He may eat a sandwich today. Uh, Of course, no one's uh, seen him eat anything in public since uh, 2014. Uh, (laughs) A bizarre thing happened today on the way to the uh, stadium. it was revealed that uh, Ed Bogus was, in fact, a, an original member of uh, New Kids on the Block. And uh, he left the band uh, uh, after arguing about uh, catering arrangements for their first tour. Uh, unbelievable. Of course, uh, you know, uh, Bogus's history with Boston goes way back. Um, uh, who can forget in uh, 1986 when uh, uh, Bogus uh, bludgeoned Bill Buckner with a burrito after he booted the ball against the Mets in the uh, World Series. Uh, of course, there is also uh, his uh, much uh, ballyhooed uh, wrestling debut at the Boston Garden, 
where he wrestled uh, a 60-minute Broadway with uh, then-champion uh, Ric Flair, uh, and then helped Flair turn babyface uh, when uh, he hit Flair over the head with a chair and screamed out, uh, you might eat a lot of pie, but nobody eats more Boston cream pie than me, Ed Boggess. <laughs> uh, I mean, who can forget it? And then, of course, there was also that unfortunate incident with uh, DWA champion Bruce uh, B.S. Pobans. Uh, of course, that DWA stands for uh, Delusional Wrestling Alliance. Uh, <laughs> after Pobans, he uh, claimed to have won several leading titles in uh, Boggess's home state of uh, West Virginia. Uh, Boggess uh, beat uh, Pobans uh, senseless with a hoagie, and uh, Pobans spent uh, six months in hospital. Uh, so, uh, Boggess and uh, Boston, uh, many ties. Uh, he much beloved here. Uh, they call him the Shinston uh, sinkhole back in West Virginia. Uh, of course, here in Boston, he is affectionately known as the uh, bottomless pit uh, and uh, is much beloved. Uh, so moving on to the actual concessions, uh, Boston, uh, a little bit different approach uh, to the whole thing. Uh, they started out uh, by uh, Boggess tried the uh, first uh, item, uh, the fabulous Fab Mellow Lasagna. Uh, turns out this dish looks great, uh, quite promising, uh, but is in fact a fake lasagna, actually a vegetarian lasagna. Uh, it tries to disguise itself as a real lasagna, uh, but uh, as uh, the, in the words of Ed Boggess, uh, probably belongs in the D-League of lasagnas, if you know what I mean. Um, underappealing, um, underachieving, and ultimately a waste of time. Uh, but then, of course, uh, Boston hit a home run with the uh, Rick Pitino clam chowder. Of course, this is made by uh, some of New England's finest uh, chowder crafters and uh, contains the uh, tears of uh, several unwilling uh, Louisville uh, co-eds. Uh, it comes in uh, several sizes. Um, and in fact, you are discreetly encouraged to buy the large size. Uh, and if you do, um, you in fact... Uh, get a coupon for a weekend at the Bunny Ranch. They're very interesting. Quite a creative uh, marketing there, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, then, of course, we have the uh, Enos Canada turkey sandwich, uh, which uh, apparently uh, they, they are uh, marketing as uh, for the fan on the run. Uh, it's uh, white meat, uh, white bread, white onions, and uh, Miracle Whip, and uh, apparently goes best on an empty stomach and a great item if you uh, you want to hurry back to your seat and not miss any action. Uh, then we got uh, the uh, Taco Fall Sengalese Szechuan uh, Surprise. Uh, no one really seems to be sure what this is. Uh, apparently, it's just they uh, empty out the fridge, uh, pour uh, soy sauce on it, and uh, serve it to you. Uh, uh, whatever it was, uh, Ed Bogus uh, claimed it was magnificent. And. Uh, <laughs> Uh, apparently, one of the big selling features is is uh, once it's heated up, uh, it will uh, attempt to stay warm on the bench for long periods of time, <laughs> which is uh, also very interesting. Uh, then we move on to uh, uh, two of the, uh, well, the the, uh, the big item on the Boston Celtic menu, uh, the $33 Larry Bird chicken bucket. <laughs> now, of course, this just isn't any ordinary chicken bucket. Uh, it's very, very cleverly built. Uh, not unlike one of those talking greeting cards, uh, when you take the uh, lid off of the basket, uh, you are greeted by several uh, strung together Larry Bird taunts. 
uh, you know, uh, and not uh, basketball taunts either, more uh, weight-related taunts like, hey, you fatty, you'll never dunk if you keep eating this chicken. Uh, you're so fat, you couldn't uh, raise your arms up to shoot a three-pointer like me, Larry Bird. I own you. After spending $33 on my chicken, I definitely own you. Uh, things of this nature. Apparently, there are uh, 17 different versions of the bucket. The bucket, of course, was uh, made out of uh, fine porcelain and uh, can be cleaned out and uh, put on the mantle as a commemorative. Uh, there's, uh, as I mentioned, uh, 17 of these, uh, one for each uh, Celtic championship. Uh, then, of course, <laughs> not to be outdone, we have the Gary Payton I J G T A I P O Pale Ale. <laughs> Apparently, that stands for I just got traded and I'm pissed off. Um, it comes in, uh, it's a 9% uh, alcohol beer. Comes in a glove shaped stein, uh, and apparently, it has a kick like a mule to slap you in the face, uh, uh, get right in there, and uh, follow you around for days. Um, and and uh, in a, again, a genius marketing. Uh, one lucky customer a month uh, will have a, a certificate which allows them to be uh, – uh, Gary Payton will actually show up at the Boston Garden and uh, do a reenactment of a famous uh, technical foul he received. And of course, there will be uh, 250 of these because, uh, as you well know, that's how many uh, technical fouls Gary Payton received in his career. And then, of course, oh, man. Uh, the, the piece de la resistance of the uh, Boston Celtic menu, uh, the uh, Kevin Garnett Gelato, which, of course, as you know, is a well-seasoned gelato. Uh, what once was ice cream in Minnesota and became a better thing when it moved to Boston and became the Kevin Garnett Gelato, if you know what I'm saying. No, you can fuck did off. not get enough championship gelato if there ever was. The greatest thing on the menu: uh, two thumbs up, seven burps, four farts, and <laughs> moving on, Buck Snort. More accolades than I can imagine. Uh, felt like Bruce Pobans at a psychiatric uh, award for the amount of attention he was getting. Crazy. But anyway, that's it for the uh, the Ed Bogus uh, Boston Celtic uh, concession stand report. Uh, again, a pass for Boston. Uh, the only thing that let him down was that uh, lasagna, uh, which, of course, uh, as we well know, um, if I have mellow lasagna, uh, probably won't be on the menu for long in uh, in uh, Boston. Um <laughs> So uh, that's it for that. Uh, surprisingly, this week, uh, no Tom Robinson sightings. Uh, our crack uh, staff was uh, out in a uh, department store uh, winter clothing uh, se- uh, se- uh, not segments. What am I talking about? What am I trying to say? I'm so distraught that we haven't seen Tom Robinson. Uh, in the winter clothing departments of several uh, big department stores, uh <laughs> not to be found uh, uh, wandering the halls there looking for his uh, lost coat. Uh, and also not seen at uh, any uh, Beatles conventions. <laughs> uh, those of you who know will know. Uh, so that's it uh, for this week. Uh, next week, uh, I'm not sure where. I believe Ed Boggess will be headed to Brooklyn. That ought to be interesting. And 
<laughs> so stay tuned for that, and uh, back to the studios with you, uh, Nate and Tim. <laughs> You're listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com slash Jump. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen T. New at newlawoffice.com, stripcamfun.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC located at facebook.com backslash Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC, as well as at Stay Classy Meets at stayclassymeets.com where you can use promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order and receive a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. This show talks about NBA and covers all topics from all 30 teams in the league and includes guests from experts from all over the world. Make sure you're downloading us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and more. Be sure to join in on the fun over at WideMenCan'tJump.com as well as on our Facebook group, Wide Men Can't Jump, and follow us on Twitter, at Wide Jump. Now, let's go to the flagship program of this Wide Men Radio Network. Here's Wide Men Can't Jump. <laughs> well, ladies Ooh, and gentlemen, uh, we kicked it off with a bang here. Ed Boggess was in New Kids on the Block. Yeah, who would have known? I didn't know that. This is these are new things we're learning here. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, apparently, we <laughs> we just discovered that Fab Mello is uh, no longer with us. I didn't know that. Uh, Fab Mello played, I believe it was six games for Boston. He wasn't there long. And uh, went back to, I believe he's from, I want to say Brazil. Uh, yeah, I, might be wrong I believe about so. That, but somewhere over there. And he played a couple of years for some Brazilian team. And then uh, was found dead in his home at, I believe, 26 or 27 years old. Died of natural wow. causes on top of it all. Wow, I remember he was yeah. a he was a house at Syracuse uh, when he played played there for a while. That's uh, I, I honestly had no clue he had passed away, or at least I had heard it and forgotten. Um, I was out. I was kind of wondering. I was like, I wonder whatever happened to him. I guess now I know. Um, I, mean, I, I, I want to get to Boston though. I want to try that uh, the combination of that thirty three dollar Larry Bird chicken and uh, the Gary Payton pale ale. That Gary Payton ale, man, that's uh, that's got to be bitter, that's for sure. <laughs> oh Lord! Uh, on. You're welcome. But anyway, Tim, we're gonna kick off the program here. We're gonna talk a little about FIBA, and uh, we heard that you know the Spain won. Spain was the winner of the FIBA World Cup of Basketball. They came okay. in first. They they were the winners. Uh, one thing that I do want to point out here, though, Tim, this is uh, something. Uh, the United States finished in seventh. So, cool. Go them. <laughs> um, I could top say ten. that. Uh, top ten. Top ten. Finish. Top ten, yeah, for the, the basketball team that should be the best in the country. Um, or the best in the world, I should say. Yeah, Spain was able to to win. France came in third. Argentina second. The U.S. finishes seventh by beating Poland. Uh, woohoo! Well, it's okay uh, because so. I believe Canada finished thirty seventh. 
<laughs> True. True. I don't even know. Um, we did so bad. I I don't even know where we finished. Not very high. But the the news broke today. I, I saw this earlier. It was reported this morning. Stephen Curry and Damian Lillard have already came out and said they will be on the Tokyo 2020 Olympic squad. They've already said it. Uh, Curry said in an interview with Rachel Nichols, he's committed to playing for the team next year. And it's the first time, um, let me see here. If he does that, will mark the former two-time MVP's first appearance in Olympic basketball. So Curry, basketball this will be his first time playing which is interesting somebody should tell Steph Curry that if he wants to play for the 2020 Olympic team he also has to sign up for the 2020 national team well you know you would think that would be an issue you would think if you didn't like you shouldn't they pick their Olympic teams every four years like you know kind of like the rest of the world um you know you got to be if you want to be a part of the of the world championship team or excuse of the Olympic team, you got to be part of the world championship team. Wouldn't that would be a say, thing? It seems like it's, I mean, all right. Uh, I guess, you know, the national team this time around proved they don't have the stuff, but that's, uh, it's not really, I mean, I guess it's not about being fair, but it seems kind of, uh, you know, you gave your time and effort, uh, even if it wasn't a, not the greatest of efforts, you know, win loss case. And now, well, we'll just discard you for some better pros and they can get the accolades of winning and the rest of you can take a big flying leap at a passing by bus because we don't care. I guess well, if you want to win, that, that's what you do. But Yeah, there's that. But again, I guess if you look at it like the Olympics, um, a lot of Olympic teams still have those Olympic trials. And, uh, you know, you could be on the world championship team but miss the cut on the Olympic team too. So... I don't know. I guess I kind of yeah. There should at least be a camp or something. Yeah, I mean, I kind of see it both ways, but um, I think they should have at least been a part of the national team. You shouldn't just be able to pick and choose. Um, Okay, I want to play because it's it's almost Olympic time. No, that's bullcrap. Yeah, yeah. The U.S. national team is not in the business of getting of giving kicks to uh, NBA players. That's not their mandate, or it shouldn't be anyway. No, and it shouldn't so, be. You know, just because he comes out and announces, "Well, I'm going to play for the team," and therefore he gets to, he just gets a spot on the team. No, I mean he at least makes don't earn it. I mean they do they do have tryouts. I know that. I know there's tryouts. I know they play, but I mean, come on here. If Steph Curry and Damian Lillard say they're going to play, they're going to play. I mean, it's just the way well, it is. Well, it, the coaches. That's the next thing. You got to hope that that's just not hot air, and that now he he has a rough year and then decides he don't want to play and, and ducks him. Well, that's the that's the scary part about this is announcing a year in advance, hey, I'm going to play. Well, what if you get hurt? I mean, <laughs> you can't well, play if the, you're hurt. I mean, the Summer Olympics would be, I assume, after the NBA season is over? Yeah, yeah, it's after the season. Okay, so he he may have a totally different take on this especially if his team is not quite as good this year as it has been in years past. Um, yeah, that's just a brave kind of thing to say that far in advance. You can say yeah. that my point, I, I, the, I'm, I'm working towards that goal or something like that, as opposed to, yeah, no, I'm playing. And yeah. I've taken All right, just, and, but whatever. Yeah. It just kind of seemed like one of those things where it was, 
Oh, well, I'm playing now since we uh, can't seem to get the job done. I'm going to, I'm going to play. And really it's a good PR move. Oh yeah. It's a good, it's a good PR move because our team came in seventh, which is a a national disgrace. um, Really for the United States, the team that invented and popularized the game to come in seventh. Whoa, 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 uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Invented the game. I think not. No, you better go look that up. Who invented, Who invented it? A Canadian, there, my sir. Go Where did he invent it? Well, just because he did it in the states doesn't make it an American invention. Uh, sir, he invented it. Uh, he invented it in the At United States. Somewhere. That doesn't make At it. At a American. college in the United States, Canadian. He was a Canadian American. So yeah, he had he American Canadians first in Springfield, Mass. Yeah, James Naismith. Yeah, and he he did he fight at the he he fought at the uh, Battle of the Alamo that took seven weeks on television, but only took what four days in real life or something. He invented did the game get... of basketball at age thirty, wrote the original basketball rule book, and founded the University of Kansas basketball program. And for two he points, did all, he that? did all right for himself. Yeah, he did all for right. two points. What kind of baskets did they first use for two points? Peach baskets. And then what did they do to them after a couple of days? Didn't they cut holes in the bottom of them? That is correct. They got tired of climbing okay. up the ladder and getting the ball back out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, he was born in <coughs> Western Canada. Or yeah, excuse me, no. By birth. Sorry, by birth. Now, he uh, was born in Almonte, Canada West, now part of Mississippi Mills, Ontario, and uh, then ended up in the United States. But, so, but no but no but no argument that America a basketball is America's sport. Oh they're, yeah, they're, it yeah, is. Yeah, they've, always, can't. they've always well the Russians there for a little while, but they still couldn't have beat the pros, I don't I don't think. No, 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 no. If we send if we send our best players to the United States, there's nobody beating us. I mean, period. That's just the way it is. Sorry, rest of the world. I know we're heard in seventy countries, but sorry. If we send our best players, you're not gonna beat us. No no offense. We love you. You're not gonna. Cocky <laughs> American, cocky American capitalist dogs. Yes, we are. We're proud. Indeed. You know, indeed. And you know what? You know what we're gonna do when we win? Yeah. When we get the Golden Tokyo 2020? You know what we're gonna get? Stay classy, oh, meats. A little bit of the bubbly. <laughs> no, I was going for you were gonna have steaks from Stay Classy Meats, but oh well. Well, speaking of steak, well, you know what, Tim? Good segue. Speaking of steak, classy meats, guess what showed up at my house today, at the door? Didn't I had to? I didn't have to go anywhere. I walked to my house. I'm look at the door, and there's a box from Steak Classy Meats sent straight to me. No more annoying grocery shopping. No more going to a butcher. No more having to deal with like, huh? This looks good, like a good cut. But will it actually be a good cut? No more dealing with the stress of trying to fight. Oh, self-checkouts here, self-checkouts there. Oh, the line's too long here. We don't like this one. Dealing with all this. Is this old? Is this new? None of that. Stay Classy Meats brings you the top meat products in the country sent directly to your door. Open the door in your bathrobe if you're home and you went grocery shopping. All you have to do is go to stayclassymeats.com. And check them out. 
what a world we live in, Tim, where you can just go to your computer and order your groceries, your meat for a month at Stay Classy Meats. And not only is it top quality stuff, if you if you measure out how much you're going to buy in meat, you get 30 pounds of meat uh, in the elite box that they sent me. If you measure all that out, you may actually save a buck or two, especially when you use promo code WIDEMAN over at Stay Classy Meats, because not only are you going to get 10% off, you're going to also get a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef, which is top of the line. Can't beat it. They have their own butchering, and they grow all their stuff in the United States of America. Don't miss it. Head over to stayclassymeats.com. Check them out. What do you think, Tim? They are without a doubt. Patriots over there at stayclassy.meats.com. Absolutely. And uh, a little bit later, you'll be seeing me unbox this box of meat. I'll have a video up, so I'll have that check out. Let's hear a little more from Stay Classy Meats. Stay Classy Meats is your online meat market where you can get the best quality meat for competitive prices. Head on over to stayclassymeats.com and use the promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order. That's right. If you head to stayclassymeats.com, you can save 10% on your order with promo code WIDEMEN, but that's not all. Not only will Stay Classy Meats give you 10% off, they're also throwing in a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. Make sure you get over to stayclassymeats.com right now to check out their selection. Whether it be pork, ribs, chicken, steak, bison, ribeye, or any other type of meat that you desire, you can get it at stayclassymeats.com. They are high-quality meat that you will not want to miss out on. If you like to eat well and eat clean and eat some of the best quality products out there, Stay Classy Meat is for you. Again, head to stayclassymeats.com right now. And again, thanks to the guys at Stay Classy Meats for everything they do for us. It's an absolute fantastic service that you should check them out. Stayclassymeats.com. Use that promo code WIDEMEN. Well, Tim, what do you think about this uh, the FIBA World Cup? You know, Spain wins the World Cup of basketball. Here's one thing I want to ask you. Do you think because we, we kind of both admit to it, do you think that the Olympic team or the national team or whatever should get picked every four years? Like after the Olympics, the next year you pick a new team, a new squad, and once they've played or once they make the team, they got to play the world championships, barring injury, of course. If you're injured, obviously you can't play. But uh, they should pick the team, and you know what? That's the team you're with for four years, If you and you got to play every year before you're allowed to go play in the Olympics. Unless your name is LeBron, I think him. I think him too. It's the, the point of. I mean, I, like I said again, I guess it depends on how you're. Like, are the Olympics? Is it all about the winning and nothing else, or is it to more like what it once was, where it was to promote amateur sport? and give guys a chance who didn't get to play in the big leagues and make a pile of money, some accolades and to win something. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Steph Curry needs to have an Olympic gold medal like he needs a hole in the head. You know, his life is not going to be incomplete without one. Yeah. Whereas some guy who maybe was a a half-decent player in college who maybe never got drafted or got drafted but never made it, that that might be his big one shot at some international fame. I don't, to be honest, I don't like pros at the Olympics. 
I, I always used to think it was much more of a, especially when it's a foregone conclusion in the sport. Like, okay, well, uh, United States is playing. Who are they playing tonight? Oh, Panama. Oh, well, that, that's got to be a game worth watching. What, 274 to 12? I mean, <laughs> you know, there's not really much point to it. You're already you're proving something that we already all know. Professional players from the states are better than anybody else's. We already know. Well, you got to remember though, and this and, and I agree, but we're the United States. We don't like to lose. <laughs> we don't uh, like to lose. Yeah, because uh, I feel. I mean, I can only equate it to my own country, and I don't like it that it's the hockey guys get to to get to go. You know, Wayne Gretzky didn't need a gold medal in the Olympics. Didn't need one. No, but another thing, I know a lot of those guys actually do like playing in the Olympics. Um, you know, they, they say it's they are able to do that, represent their country. But, again, I don't know. It's one of those... I'm well, it's kind of sure. damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if we send pros, if we send our pros, I'll tell you what happens. You send the pros, we expect gold every time, no excuses. If we don't bring home the gold, that's a problem. There are major, major issues there. If we don't send the pros and we don't bring home the gold, there's still major problems. There's no, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's kind of one of those. We well, expect, as the United States, we yeah. expect to win every single time, without question, without fail. We are expected yeah, in, to in win bas- every single time in ba- in basketball. Yeah, I was gonna say because all the time. Ho- you don't you don't win hockey ever in the male Olympics. So, well, you've won it once, I guess. A miracle on ice, I suppose. Uh-huh, I believe in miracles, my friend. There might have actually might have been one more back in the day. I think they might have won it twice. Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but uh, I don't know. Like I said, it's kind of six of one, half dozen of the other. I mean, I get why. Uh, you know, okay, we're going to let professional athletes in all the sports. I kind of get it, but that mm-hmm. really does kind of fly in the face of what the Olympics was really supposed to be. Um, particularly in sports. I mean, we see the opposite where, I mean, people used to complain about it when the, when the Eastern Bloc countries would, you know, they had people in the Olympics that were really professional athletes. They just never got paid. So by the spirit of the rule, they weren't professional athletes, even though that's all they ever did. You know, yeah. they were, you know, like they the were hockey yeah, I mean, the hockey team used to go, you know, all they ever did, but they didn't mean, well, they were all, oh, but no, they're not professionals. They're in the Army. Yeah, but all they do is tour with a hockey team. They're not really in the Army. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, you know, it was, well, they were kind of, but not really. I mean, they were pro hockey players, except they didn't get paid. And people used to complain about that for years. That's why the Miracle on Ice was such a big deal. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it was, was actually voted America. the top – it was actually voted the top sports center moment of all time uh, for well, the past nobody, 40 years. Nobody saw that coming, and even I've seen interviews of American players. Oh, no, oh, no, deep down we knew we could win. No, you didn't. You were as surprised as everybody else when you won that game, and it was magnificent. Yeah. It's always good to beat the Russians, but Never. I'll tell you what, if you ever want to win and you know for a fact 
that you can win. There's only one way you can be sure of that, and that's to call Stephen P. New. Tim, you and I have seen Stephen P. New in action recently. He pulls no punches, does he? Let's just say that Mr. New, while an extremely nice man. Oh, absolutely. Great guy. I would not want to be facing him across the uh, floor of a courtroom. Let's no. just put it that way. If and, they if uh, they bring in Steve, if whomever it is brings in Stephen P. New, I'm willing to talk about a settlement. I'll say that much because oh, you this better guy get yourself has, a yeah. You better get yourself a Johnny Cochran type lawyer if you're going to beat Stephen P. New because you ain't going to do it with uh, legalese. You're going to have to do it with BS. Absolutely. If, it, if the glove don't fit, you must quit. <laughs> it, that's true and if you haven't been following enough, Stephen though. P. New we'll go ahead and tell you he's been all over some cases and uh, more to come if you know about the minded mind situation keep an eye out we'll just say that yeah, we, uh, we might have to, we might have to on have Twitter like a, on, on a round table or something we'll get, we might have to get into that a little bit more because you and I both had uh, well, a tiny bit of personal involvement in this uh, one of his yeah uh, a little bit a little bit we have. One of his, one of his events, which we'll yeah. just leave at that for now. Yeah, we will. But uh, let's go ahead and hear a little more from our attorney sponsor, Stephen P. New and New Law Office. Personal injury, product liability, workplace accidents, mesothelioma law, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, and more. All this can be handled at New Law Office with Stephen P. New. It's New Law Office with Stephen P. New. You can get your free consultation today by calling 1-800-208-9169 or 304-362-7345 for your free consultation. A new level of personal service, whether you've been injured or facing divorce or experiencing workplace discrimination, you can rely on compassionate, thorough representation from New Law Office. Be sure to contact Stephen P. New Law Office at newlawoffice.com or again get your free consultation at 1 800 203 9169. Stephen P. New answers to your legal questions. Well, Tim, Stephen P. New is a man not to be messed with. And that's all we'll have to say with Stephen P. New. We hope to talk to Stephen again here soon. I'll have to get in contact with him. And we'll definitely uh, be talking to him soon on one of our other fine programs, maybe a Sunday Night Roundtable, as you discussed there. But uh, I'll tell you one team, Tim, that we're going to be looking at a little deep here tonight is the Dallas Mavericks. You saw it from Dallas to D.C., no dirt, no wall, all ball is our episode title. Um, Dirk Nowinski is gone. He is retired. No more Dirk. But I'll tell you one man that is. Nick Angst was able to jump on the show with us. And he is from the Locked On Mavericks podcast, and we were able to break down the Mavericks and look at what's going on with life after Dirk. And, uh, yeah, that's a little play on words there for you. But uh, Thank you. Uh, Yes, Nick was able to give us some time and talk about the Dallas Mavericks and had some interesting points of view, and and we looked at some – we looked at what's going on in Dallas as we continue our coverage of the offseason around the league as we are nearing the end of our 30-team list now. I believe this is number 21 and 22, if I'm not mistaken, of our NBA teams that we've covered. Um, So let's go ahead. Let's dive into it here. Here's my interview with Nick Angst. Tim, what do you think? Robinson's on strike. You'll have to roll the tape yourself. 
Back on the show is Nick Angstead from the Locked On Mavericks podcast. He's an NBA writer, video producer, and multiple podcast host. Covers the Dallas Mavericks, but uh, you're also a Lakers fan, aren't you? <laughs> yes, not so secretly. Uh, some people try to catch me on it, and they uh, say, but you're a Lakers fan. And, and yes, I am. I was born in Los Angeles. I uh, grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, and so my roots take me back to the Lakers. And I that's how I kind of fell in love with basketball to begin with. So sometimes Mavs fans try to, t- try to catch me on it, but uh, my co-host Isaac Harris, who's been a lifelong Mavericks fan, he likes it because I give kind of the – objective approach and it, it helps in a way and he gets to make fun of me yeah. when they sign like dwight howard <laughs> <laughs> well i wasn't gonna bring it up but since since it did you can <laughs> fair game well they also got the, anthony the davis six... i don't know if you remember that yeah i mean that, that's kind of that's kind of a big deal <laughs> but yeah the dwight howard signing we're just gonna laugh at that so everybody out there this one's for the dwight howard signing <laughs> but been anyway. working on his jumper though so have I, and I still haven't got signed. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we brought you on here to talk some Mavericks, so we'll do that now. Um, the Dallas Mavericks, before we move into this season, we have to say a fond farewell to Dirk Nowinski. Just amazing what that guy did. So many years with the same team. Incredible. How bad are the Mavericks going to miss him? Just his presence. Man, the the Mavericks and the Mavericks fans, they, they miss him so bad that they're going to just immortalize him on their court. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter and any of your listeners saw this on Twitter this week, but there's going to be a Dirk logo of sorts. It's basically a silhouette of, of him doing the one-legged fade, his patented shot. And yeah. it's going to be on the court on the, the right wing going, going – if you're going right, looking at the court, and on the on both right wings, essentially. And it's – going to be on the court and it's crazy but that is just how much he has meant to this franchise that you know Kobe got the number eight and the number 24 the night he retired and that was a huge deal this is going to be on their court for the entire season at least for this season and maybe forever I think it should be forever I, I would do it forever because there is no like when you think of Boston you probably think you know Larry Bird or you can go back as Bob Cousy or you can LA you think Magic Johnson Kareem Shaq Kobe all these different guys when you think Dallas, you think one guy. That's it. I mean, and there there will be more in the future, I'm sure, but it's always going to be the first guy you think of is Dirk. I think they should leave that on there permanently. I think that is a great thing for him and uh, maybe could be kind of like his statue uh, for Dallas, but it's on the court and you get to see it every single night. I think that's awesome. Yeah, he's definitely getting a statue still, and who knows how big it will. It could be 41 feet tall. It could be, you know, they're, they're going to use 41 in some way, but there's definitely going to be a statue for sure. Um, it's 41 but, feet tall. I want to see it. That would be impressive. Oh, heck yeah. That was a joke Cuban made at the end of the season that it was going to be 41 feet tall, but I don't know if he's going to – I don't know if that was an actual joke or if he just said that because it was real. It's one of, those, one of those things where he could be joking or that – he could be really serious. It could, could be 41 uh, feet tall. With him and his – with the way that dude thinks and operates and acts, um, we're probably going to see a 41-foot statue. <laughs> That's just the way With I'm the resources available to him, I mean, it, it could definitely happen. I mean, he'll probably take somebody off a of shark tank that just wants to build statues, and he'll make money off of the <laughs> statue getting built. That's what that guy will do. But anyway, let's look at the Mavs this season. Uh, they're a, a team that a lot of people are going to have their eye on. With uh, Chris Epps, Porzingis is coming back. Of course, they have the most exciting young player in the league, 
uh, Luka Doncic, who just lit it up last year, rookie of the year. So good to see him and what he brings to this team. They've got a lot of pieces here. Don't know what they're going to be able to put together, but let's go and talk about Porzingis. What is the the Mavs team looking for out of Porzingis? He's coming off a difficult injury. Are they going to kind of ease him back into the game, or are they going full force and say, here, go out there and start and give us 30 minutes every night? Yeah, I think they're going to run some kind of load management situation with him, um, which is understandable. And and one of the reasons why Kawhi Leonard went through the load management was because he was coming off of that injury. He only played like nine, 18 games or something like that the season before last. And so he he needed that kind of time because he, wouldn't, he wasn't going to make it all the way to the finals if they didn't do the load management. Even in the finals, he was hobbled, and you saw that. Uh, I, I wonder if they hadn't done the load management, if, if the Raptors really would have won the title because Kawhi – Maybe wouldn't have made it all the way. So with Porzingis now, they're they're probably going to hold him out of some games. It could be just the back-to-back situation. I think the Mavericks have 13 back-to-backs, and so if they held him out of all the back-to-backs, I think that's 69 games. Nice. And uh, I feel like that would be the amount of games that he'll play, somewhere around 65 to you know 69 or something like that. And uh, I feel like that's what they're going to do with him. But then when he's on the court, I think it's full force. I think it's he is he's ready. He can come back. Uh, there's not, it's not going to be a thing where he's held out of the first 10 games of the season or something like that. I think it'll be a load management throughout the season. But he was ready to play at the end of last season. He was practicing five-on-five five with the last month of the season. And so he's ready. He's ready to come back. But I think they're going to be very cautious with him. Yeah, and, of course, that, that does make sense. Um, another guy that's coming in for his first season with the Mavericks, uh, DeLon Wright. Uh, and according to what I've been reading, he may be the – at the starting guard, one of the starting guards, uh, beside Luka Doncic. What does uh, DeLon Wright bring to this Mavericks team that uh, people can uh, really kind of sink their teeth into as he comes into this new environment? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, the the starting lineup as we know it right now is going to be Luka and Porzingis. Porzingis is technically going to start at the four, um, Dwight Powell at the five, Luka at some guard or wing position, DeLon Wright at the point guard position for sure, and then uh, another wing, whether that's Justin Jackson, Dorian Finney-Smith, maybe Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, so we feel like that's what it's going to be. We're waiting till till media day to kind of figure out who the fifth guy is, and it's been kind of a it's been a back and forth conversation over on uh, over on the Mavs um, fan base. But with Delon Wright, what you get is you get a solid defensive guard. He's been coming off the bench for a while. He was he was a bench player with Toronto. The Mavericks actually wanted to draft him. I think it was back in 2014. Or 15, it was the year that they drafted Justin Anderson, and the Raptors picked him one spot before the Mavericks were going to select him, uh, and the Mavericks eventually went with Justin Anderson. But DeLon Wright uh, is a defensive guard. He also had two triple-doubles against the Mavericks last year, so that <laughs> could have factored into them bringing him <laughs> in. Uh, but he's, he's pretty good as a, a drive-and-kick kind of guy. He's a decent shooter. He's not a great shooter, but he's, uh, you know, he's hopefully just going to be able to take the hardest – assignment on defense as far as guards uh and that's going to be what you really need in the west i mean there's so many good point guards there's so many good guards in the west but he'll take the hardens he'll take the curries he'll take the lillards he'll take you know guys like that so that's what they're hoping to get with salon right uh, and he's still pretty young too so he's growing and hopefully he grows into a role and he showed some cool stuff in in memphis that he can actually you know you know control the ball he can do a little playmaking he can score he can rebound so they're hoping to get a lot out of him and they're really high on him yeah, and that's a uh, a guy who you're going to need because Luka Doncic, we saw last season, 
Uh, great playmaker, can do so much with the basketball. But on defense, um, I personally am not sold on him on defense just yet. I know he's young, of course. You know He'll get better at defense. But those European players, a lot of them, they don't have uh, the ability to, to step up and play defense right away in the NBA. What do you think about Luka this season? What can we see? Oh, man, I think with Luka, I went on Locked on NBA the other day with Josh Lloyd, and I just said straight up, he's absolutely going to make the all-star team. I think that losing uh, Clay Thompson probably and definitely Kevin Durant, uh, I think that uh, there's two spots right there that are available, and they're getting Kawhi Leonard and other things. But I think that he's uh, he's destined for an all-star spot, and I think he's just going to have a, an amazing season. He's playing with Porzingis. He's going to take a lot of the load off of from him. And I think it's just going to be a great season for him. He's going to come out swinging. He's been conditioning this offseason uh, when he's not on boats, which is just one of the weird things the offseason. Just every time he posts an Instagram story, he's on a boat. But when he's not on a boat, he's work, he's been working out. Uh, he made a joke with Cuban that he at least has one ab now instead of the zero abs he had <laughs> at the beginning of last season. I think we can all relate with that. And uh, uh, so I can. I haven't, uh, I haven't had abs ever. So, I mean – the show is called Wide Men Can't Jump, so just saying. You know what you signed up for here. <laughs> so hopefully his conditioning will be better, and that's the real thing. They just want him conditioned for the end of games. When I mean, he was amazing last year in crunch time anyway, but they're just going to need him that much more because they don't have as many playmakers as they had last year. Dennison Jr. is not a guy that's, you know, he's not walking through that door. Harrison Barnes is not walking through that door. They got Seth Curry and DeLon Wright and, you know, and Kristaps uh, Porzingis, but that. Uh, not as many they don't have as many ball handlers at least and so he's he's it and he's the guy that they're really going to lean on a lot in that area yeah definitely um he's brought up seth curry he's coming back he was in portland for a while he comes back he's a former Mav. played there for a little while he'll probably be the uh i'm looking at him probably being the sixth man off the bench um do you see him playing just as many minutes as delon Wright? maybe kind of they kind of balance it out yeah, I think that Seth Curry eventually finds his way into that finishing lineup. I think that they'll they'll go with the, you know, the DeLon Wright, Seth Curry, Luka, Porzingis, and Dwight Powell lineup. Um, so you have, you know, the the role man in Dwight Powell. You have the the spacers in Porzingis, Luka, Seth Curry, uh, the defensive guy in you know in DeLon Wright to to stop the, you know, the guy who's going to be handling the ball. And so I think that's what they're eventually going to go with as the the finishing lineup. So I think he'll get a lot of opportunity. They were, they were really high on him in Dallas. The second year of Seth Curry in Dallas, they, they had, they signed him for two years to begin with The first year. He played really well. And then the second year he started the season and he was like day to day with some kind of shin splint situation. Like it was some kind of shin injury and it just kind of went the whole season. It just kept prolonging and prolonging and he just didn't play the whole year. And then after that, it was just kind of a weird thing. And then that's when he went to Portland. And so I think if that wouldn't have happened, I think he still would have been on the Mavericks. Um, but they brought him back. They're glad to see him back. Him and DeLon Wright, if you could just combine those two players, it would just be in a, it'd be the best. <laughs> it would be the best point guard you could have as far as a role player. Yeah. Uh, and so having both those guys on the court at the same time is going to be huge for them. Yeah, and of course, another point guard they have, Jalen Brunson, who's going to see his minutes probably take a dip. Uh, with the addition of DeLon Wright. But Jalen Brunson has proven that he's a very capable guard coming out of Villanova. And 
Of course, I, I'm always skeptical of these players that come out of the, the championships in the NCAA, a lot of them. Not all of them, of course, but, you know, you look at Villanova, they produce a lot of great college players, but then how many actually translate to the NBA? Uh, Jalen Brunson has done that. He has been a very solid NBA player. What's his role going to look like, though, this season for the Dallas Mavericks as they have a plethora of ball handlers in terms of DeLon Wright, or, well, more so Luka than anybody, but Seth Curry's more of a spot-up shooter. DeLon Wright plays more so defense. Brunson may be the number two ball handler, if I'm looking at this correctly. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting situation for Brunson because they brought back J.J. Barea. He's on a veteran minimum contract. Um, he's coming off of an Achilles injury. He's cleared. The doctors just cleared him this past weekend uh, for everything. He's just <laughs> completely clear, even though he tore his Achilles last season, which is wild. But he's he's going to be in the mix. Brunson's going to be in the mix. Uh, Lon Wright's definitely starting. And so Carlisle loves his two-guard lineups. It's a, it's a joke we make the entire season. He's had three-guard lineups at times. He played Dennis Smith Jr. and Yogi Ferrell together. I know those are on really bad Mavericks teams, so maybe he'll change the way that he approaches things now that the Mavericks are actually trying to win. But if he can play those two guys together who are probably – I mean, Yogi Ferrell is maybe 5'10", and, and Dennis is like 6'2". Uh, if he can play those two guys together, then I think uh, Brunson and Berea might see some time together this year, or at least Brunson and Seth Curry, DeLon Wright and Brunson. Who knows? All those guys I feel like can all play together. Um, but the J.J. Berea situation will be weird because – he's probably not going to play every single game as he's had in the last couple of years. And so um, to see some kind of load management situation with him coming back from that Achilles, uh, he'll probably take a back seat. And Brunson is, is very capable. The Mavs are very high on him. They loved the, that pick that they got. Um, they jumped on it. <laughs> Super excited about it. But they got him, and now he's, uh, he's stepping up when uh, Berea is now coming back from this injury. Well, with Berea, he's one of those guys, kind of like Dirk. Uh, he'll play in Dallas as long as he wants. They, they'll pretty much let him. And they might put a, like, they're putting the Dirk silhouette. They might put a really, like, tiny Berea silhouette beside of it when he <laughs> retires. <laughs> and it's just him. It's like him going up for a layup because, man, oh, man, can that guy shoot a layup to be his size. But um, yeah. let's look now at the Mavericks. Uh, you know, you mentioned Dwight Powell. Let's talk about him. He's going to be the starting center. He's going to play probably a lot of minutes as he's really the – maybe you'll get uh, Max Kebler or Kleber behind him. So, excuse me. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. But um, Powell's going to get the – yeah, there you go. There you go. That's my fault. Um, <laughs> Powell's going to get the majority of the minutes there as he's a big guy. He's going to have to play a lot, and his health is going to be dependent on this Mavericks' success, I believe. Dwight Powell, what do you think of him? What Has he kind of defined his role? You know he's athletic. Can he play the five in this modern NBA? Yeah, the thing about Dwight Powell is he's really grown on Mavericks fans. And two or three years ago, he was, I mean, he was probably the, the at the lowest he could possibly be as far as Mavericks fans' opinions. He, he was the butt of a lot of jokes. He was, you know, the butt of a lot of memes. And he was this overpaid guy that the Mavericks just jumped on in 2016. And he was like the same as, you know, people look at, looked at Myers Leonard, who was paid a bunch of money, and Jan Mahimni, who was paid a bunch of money in 2016. And he was kind of in that group. And then slowly but surely, he's become this elite rim roller guy, a guy that you can just run a pick and roll with, and he's just going to, you know, dive to the basket 
and just explode to the rim and be able to catch a lob. And that's been super effective in, in the Mavericks, in uh, Rick Carlisle's system. He needs a rim roller as the five, the Tyson Chandlers, the DeAndre Jordans, the Brandon, Wright, Brandon Wrights, guys like that has been really successful with. And so Dwight Powell kind of fills that. But with what's weird with, with Dwight Powell and now bringing in Porzingis, a lot of people are saying, well, Porzingis should be a five, right? Like that's what he should be. In the modern NBA, he should be a five. But the, Ma- but the Mavericks want Porzingis to play the Dirk sort of role on, as a four on offense, but then the five on defense. And so Porzingis is going to defend some fives. He's, he's the one defending the rim because he's an elite rim protector. Dwight Powell is the one that's going to be playing five on offense and then four on defense. It's just it's the NBA that we're in now. Just there's not there's positions, I guess. We're doing our positional rankings right now on, on Locked On Mavericks this week. We're doing shooting guards tonight. And there's it's just so hard to come up with different um positions for some for some teams because they just have there's so many interchanging parts. And Dwight Powell and Porzingis are kind of that, you know, interchanging parts right now. And so the Mavericks they wanted to find a guy that can play five on offense, four on defense. And Dwight Powell's kind of that guy. He's not the greatest rim protector. But he can guard out in space. He can guard, um, you know, some shiftier guys, some shiftier fours. Um, he's not the best at it, but he's the, the best that the Mavericks have right now. Um, but another guy to watch out for is, is Maxi Kleba, who you mentioned. He's a guy that can defend the rim and he can shoot the three. And that's going to be something that I think if he can really, really knock down the three, then I could see Maxi Kleba maybe slipping into that starting lineup eventually if, if the Dwight Powell-Porzingis thing doesn't work. But on paper, it should work. It's crazy to me that now in the NBA, the modern NBA, we're looking at a potential four and five position player being a three and D guy, which is kind of mind boggling. Yeah, yeah that's, where, that's where we are. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's amazing. But uh, another guy that the Mavs have that I like, I'm, I'm personally a fan of this guy. Um, I, I believe he came over in the trade with Porzingis was uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. I like Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, I think he's a great role player. Um, and he'll do great for the Mavs, I believe, because he can step in for, like, Justin Jackson when you, there needs to be another small forward in there. What do you think of Tim Hardaway Jr.? Do you like bringing him over? Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith may see less minutes because of his addition. Uh, what's that look like at that backup three-guard spot there? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see where Tim Hardaway Jr. plays. One big question that I've been asking Mavs fans and Mavs media people is – would you rather have Tim Hardaway Jr. average eight points a game or 18 points a game? And that sounds like a dumb question. Obviously, you'd rather have a guy score more points than less, but he's a guy that's just been so inefficient in his scoring. He's not the greatest three-point shooter. His shot selection is just really, you know, uh, skeptical. And he's not a super popular player among Mavs fans right now. He's kind of a salary dump in the in the Porzingis deal, or at least that's what they, he was looked at as. And uh, I hope that he can fill that super sub role. He can be that sixth man, the Drew Holland, or the uh, Lou Williams, the you know uh, Jamal Crawford kind of guy, where he just comes off the bench and, and gets buckets. But I don't, I don't really know. I'm not really sure what his role is going to be on the team. Hopefully, he's that super sub role. He could start. Who, who knows with Carlisle? Now he kind of just finds these guys like Dwight Powell. Um, I guess Justin Anderson was a guy like this that he just falls in love with. J.J. Barea is a guy like this. He just falls in love with their work ethic and how they play, and he just sticks with them and sticks with them and sticks with them and, <laughs> and drives people crazy. But uh, some of them work out and some of them don't. Dwight Powell is one that has worked out, and you know who knows if Tim Hardaway Jr. can be that, but I don't think he is. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know that he is. I like him. Some people don't. Some people do. 
I always look at him as he was in a really bad situation in New York. And uh, let's be honest here with what the, what was going on in New York. Who would who was really focused on going out there and trying to win? It's like, good lord, they don't they the, the ownership wants us to lose at this point. Uh, you're getting just destroyed by the media constantly no matter what you do even like i think the knicks could go 81 and one and the new york media would just absolutely lose their minds over that one game it's like how could you do this but you know you know how it is um but looking looking here at the the mavs especially this season a lot of people have high expectations a lot of people think that this could be a playoff team what say you? When we look at this Mass team, do they make the playoffs? And uh, if they do make the playoffs, what do you think their uh, seeding would be, or what do you, where do you where do they end up in your mind? And also, according to some sites, the Mavs forty and a half, forty one wins is what they're looking at. Do they go under? Do they go over? They got them near five hundred. What do you think for the Mavericks over under this season? What do you think uh, we're looking at in the West? It's so tough. Playoffs or no? Man, I sure hope so. For the state of my podcast, my my watching experience this year, <laughs> I just I really hope they make the playoffs. It's so hard to in the West, though. I mean, you, you just look at the teams and you, you say, okay, which teams are going to fall off from last year? Well, the Thunder will probably fall off. Uh, and that's outside it. of that. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it, and then and then the Lakers are are definitely rising up. The uh, the Warriors who lost players, you think, well, they'll probably drop. I don't think so. I think that the you know Clay Thompson will eventually come back during the season, and then Draymond and Steph. That's still an elite duo, and so uh, their their depth is kind of spotty now. Sean Livingston just retired the other night. Andre Iguodala's not there anymore. Um, they just don't. There's a ton of young guys, so maybe one one or two of those guys click, and then all of a sudden they're you know, back in it. And, uh, but you look at the rest of the, the, the West, like the jazz, the rockets, the blazers, the nuggets, the Clippers, obviously those are all playoff teams. And then the Spurs and the Spurs are getting DeJounte Murray back. Who was a, you know, second team, all defense yeah. a year, two years ago. They have all these young guards. Derek white went over and played in FIBA. He's got that experience now. <laughs> That's so much going on for them right now. Uh, in the backcourt, they have so many young guards, and if one or two of those guys pops off, they're definitely a playoff team for sure. Greg Popovich will, will lead them back there. You have the Pelicans with Drew Holiday and Zion and all the depth they added. You have the Timberwolves with Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, so many. You have the Kings and what as they a, did last year. So I as hope a the fan, I appreciate. As a T-Wolves fan, I will appreciate your, your kind words about the <laughs> team, but – uh, no, we're not making the playoffs. So I'm just gonna go ahead and but throw that out there. Some some seasons though, you get you get a a guy that's just that elite, and I think Carl Anthony Towns is a guy like that. That's just so elite that he just puts the team on his back. And just Anthony Davis did this like two or three two years ago with the Pelicans. He just put the team on his back. Um, and I think Robert Covington could potentially be his Drew Holiday, where you know they just. They put the team on their back defensively, and they just lead them to to a playoff spot. The West is probably so stacked this year; it's probably not this year, but eventually, I yeah. think you can do that. I'm just giving him I, giving him respect. <laughs> oh, absolutely, he's fantastic. I love Towns. Um, I think if we were if the Wolves were in the East, I say we because they're my team. I'm sorry, but sure. um, if they're in the East, they're a playoff team, um, in my opinion. But they're not; they're in the West. It's, in been, the West. The, it's been the Mavs' motto for like four years. Yeah, it just doesn't get any easier out west. It's so difficult, um, especially so, when you got so a guy. Answer, especially when you got a guy making so much qu- money. 
named Andrew Wiggins, but you know what? That's another rant for another day. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, we're ranking him in our uh, positional rankings, and it's, it's not going well for him. I'm just not sure what, what his deal is. But you know, to answer your question, you know, you know, I hope that – go ahead on Wiggins. Well, I let me hear. make a point on Andrew Wiggins before you finish. Uh, <laughs> you know, he had a, a – he's such a good scorer, and he can score anytime he wants. And, you know, there was so much hype around him. And, you know, if he would have got drafted at like maybe 13, 14, yeah, we would be, we'd be psyched to have a guy like that with 19 points per game. But – when you're getting a max contract and you can't really play that good a defense and you just look bored and lost and only putting up 19 points a game, when you got a, a guy that's as exciting as Carl Anthony Towns that's just picking the team up and taking off with him, Wiggins is so athletic. He could do whatever he wants, but he just kind of stands there most of the time. He just he looks lazy to me, and that's that's a shame because he's a he's an athletic monster. All right, sorry about that, Wolves aside. Back to your Mavericks. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> no, I love a good Andrew Wiggins sidebar, if we can just go on that anytime. The uh, the Mavericks, though, I'm hoping for uh, a, a you know an above 500 season. I think that's what they should shoot for. They won 33 games last year. They changed the entire team around. They're getting Porzingis on the load management. If they can just get to 41 wins, I think I'll be satisfied with the season. I'll be impressed if they get to like 45, 48, and then all of a sudden if they get to that point, if they're that good, and that's if they stay help, those two guys stay healthy, then you're all of a sudden talking about a playoff team. Um, and so if the if the over under is what was it forty and a, I think it's forty and a half a lot of places. I think I would go. Yeah, I think I'd probably go over on that. Just I would go I would go over on that just as a as an optimistic person. <laughs> but the Porzingis injury and Doncic injury those are those are looming. If one of those happens, under I mean shoot the under. Well, let me ask this, and this, and I'll, I'll have this be our final question, so you can get back to uh, back to what you're doing, because I know you're a busy man like I am. Um, who's a player for this team? Well, actually, you know what? I'm going to use a different question. Let me change it up here, because I ask that question to everybody. Rick Carlisle, with this team, if they stay healthy in the West, let's say they only win 30, they they do about the same as they did last year. I think they'll do better, but let's just say hypothetically. They do what they did last year. Is Rick Carlisle in danger of losing his job, or is Rick Carlisle pretty much one of those pop guys who's, you know what, he's got a job for pretty much as long as he wants? Yeah, I think he just recently signed an extension out to, like, it's, it's crazy when they sign extensions where the, the contract hasn't even played itself out yet. I think it was out to, like, 2024 or something like that. Uh, so he signed that contract extension, but you know in the NBA, anything can happen at any moment. And when you have, it's like, uh, I'm, I'm watching the, the Monday Night Football game. It's like when you have these quarterbacks, like a Baker Mayfield, you have you know a Sam Darnold. You have these quarterbacks where all of a sudden everything revolves around that guy now, and Luka Doncic is that guy for the Mavericks, and everything revolves around him. Uh, and so if everything goes right between the two, I think it, you know to think it, Carlisle will have a job as long as he wants. But I think if the Mavericks were in a position where they had to decide between the two, I think Luka would win out. So who knows? There's there's nothing. Behind that, there's nothing with, you know, Rick Carlisle and Luca as far as we know, but that's something to, to watch now going into his second year. He's yeah. not a rookie anymore. He's he's the guy taking charge of the team on the court, and uh, and that's just a, a relationship to watch out for. Who knows? Yeah, uh, hopefully Luca doesn't get mono like Sam Darnold got it when he twelve <laughs> mono. But uh, anyway, Nick, I appreciate Luka's your time been... jumping on talking Mavs with Luke us. Luke has been a professional uh, for uh, for a long time. He's he's gotten a, he's probably gotten the mono already. 
Yeah, that's true. Maybe he's built up a tolerance to it by now. Uh, do appreciate your time and getting on the show and talking with us. We love having you on. It's always fun. And of course, follow him at Nick Van Exit, which is easily one of my favorite Twitter handles of all time. Uh, go follow Nick. But go ahead and let our listeners know, Nick, where they can keep up with you and follow you and find your work. Yeah, so at Nick Van Exit on Twitter, obviously, I host the Locked On Mavericks podcast with Isaac Harris. You can subscribe to that. We go five days a week. We've gone five days a week, being like 365 pretty much. We've gone the, the whole season and uh, the whole Gosh, off season. More so power to you guys. We do, we, we do the basketball show one day a week here on with uh, the Wide Man Radio. And, man, sometimes getting a two-hour show one day a week is tough, but you guys do it five days a week. That's something else. So good work. Yeah, we uh, we come up we come up with topics in advance and try and figure it all out. And people are still amazed. Like, you talk about the Mavericks every single day? Like, yeah, just I don't know, <laughs> just happens. I also do you love that um, breakdown fan. <laughs> I also do breakdown videos over at Free Dawkins. I don't know if you've ever been to to uh, the Free Dawkins YouTube channel where they do NBA highlights. It's the best highlight channel, the fastest highlights, faster than the NBA, faster than all the other ones. Uh, and I do the breakdown videos, so I break down. Yeah, different duos. I break down games. I've just broke down Giannis in the FIBA World Cup, uh, sort of the b-ball breakdown kind of type videos. And so you can go check me out there at Free Dawkins. And uh, yeah, those are the two things that I'm, I'm pretty much doing right now. So appreciate you having me on, Nate. Always, always good to have you on, Nick. And uh, we'll have you back on once the season gets rolling. We appreciate your time as always. So thank you again, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. All right, take care. And that was my interview with Nick Angst from the Locked On Mavericks podcast. Great to have him back on talking about the Dallas Mavericks and filling all of you all in on what's going on way down in Dallas this offseason. Tim, are you still with me? Good day. <laughs> Where else would he be? Am I right? I got nowhere to go. Absolutely. That's a seven-hour walk to the next city. I got nowhere to go. (laughs) Very true. Very true. But when you've got nowhere to go, but you got a little extra cash on your hands and you're home alone because the wife took the car or the girlfriend, or maybe you're like me and you just don't have a significant other, we invite you over to take a load off of our good friends at Strip Cam Fun. Are you tired of the same old average everyday lifestyle and the same old job that has you making less money than what you know you're worth? Well, you should head on over to StripCamFun.com. On StripCamFun, there are tons of eligible men and women waiting to perform for you, and you can join in on the fun yourself. Just head on over at StripCamFun.com where you can strip on cam and have some fun. If you get there right now, you'll get to see some of the most beautiful women, men, and whatever else your heart desires. And you can take advantage of the good times being had on StripCamFun.com. Make sure you get there right now and let them know that Wide Men Can't Jump brought you over. Because StripCamFun.com is not just for everyone. Must be 18 years of older to join in on the good times. Strip Cam Fun, be sure to visit right now. It's stripcamfun.com where you can strip on cam and have some fun. Again, thanks to our great sponsors at stripcamfun.com. Hey, uh, I, I was looking at that the other day. 
Uh, one you got to go check out is a feature performer from uh, Philadelphia, Rom oh Shocking Rom Shocking Tobinson. <laughs> well, let me tell you, what a performer! That's all Coke I'm gonna finish, say. Huh? My coat is many colors. And apparently, a thing for Asian ladies. <laughs> Shit. All right, ladies. Uh, anyway, <laughs> moving on. All right, Tim. <laughs> did you ever, right. speaking of which, did, did you know, I got to stop you there. When you said moving on, did you ever guys get a TV show called The Littlest Hobo? About a dog? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Then that joke doesn't play in America. Never mind. Uh, no. When I hear moving on, all I can think is moving on up to the east side. Yeah, okay, that works too. I'll send you the, the the littlest hobo thing. You'll get a kick out of it. But anyway, okay. let's, let's go back to the let's go back to the hoops. Well, speaking of hoops, Tim, um, you and right. I talked about this the other day, and yeah. I was looking. Did you know that I this year? Oh, no. Just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go this sorry, year, go there, ahead. there's this year there are twenty eight D League teams. 28 of them. Can you believe that? That's a lot. It is, actually. It, it really is. And what I have thought about doing, there are some of these teams that are dead giveaways of who they belong to. Absolute dead giveaways. Well, to you, maybe. Well, no. But then there's some other ones where I'm like, uh, I don't know. All right. <laughs> So let me get this. Let me get this straight. This is um, A to developmental D, right? Basically, yes. Ba- okay. What I'm going to tell you, Tim, is I'm going to give you the. This is a little uh, a little game show. We don't really have any game show music here. Actually, you know what? We we do. You do. Yeah. This is Basketball Jeopardy! With your host, Alright, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the name of the G League team. You have to tell me what NBA team they are associated with. Now, again, All right. some of these are going to be really I, fucking easy. I promise and Some nothing. of these are really fucking well, tough. Uh, they're probably all going to be tough for me, so unless it's well, like the uh, what team is affiliated with. The New York Knicks are affiliated with what team? Then I might get it. But Well, here, all right, so let's give it here a we go. All right, we ready. I am I'm ready. Let's see how I'm you ready. do out of 28. So, ladies and gentlemen, play at home <laughs> if you'd like. Here we go. We'll start here. The Santa Cruz Warriors. Who are they well, that, affiliated with? <laughs> I'm hoping that's the Golden State. You are correct. See, I told you some of these are pretty simple. Okay, all right. Well, that one's kind of a giveaway, though. Well, there, there's a few of these giveaways. Trust me. Uh, the Stockton Kings. Well, they must they must be affiliated with the Sacramento Kings. Okay, correct. Uh, Ooh, let's go ahead. 
jump over here. An- another take, gimme. I'll take D League teams for a thousand, mate. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Here's another dead giveaway. Lakeland Magic. Oh, well, that would be Orlando, obviously. Uh, correct. The okay. <laughs> this is the name no, of the total. I'm not a total idiot, but close. The Agua Caliente Clippers of Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> Real what team name. Hell? What in the real hell team. kind of a name is that? That's a real team name. Well, of course, it would be the L.A. Clippers, but where where is that at? Of Ontario, you say? It's, it's, must, it be Ontario, must be Ontario, California. It is. It is. Okay. All right. I'm giving you a lot of the gimmies here. There's actually I'm more Canadian, gimmies huh? than there are anything. I automatically, when you say Ontario, well, I'm thinking like, like Toronto, Ontario. Yeah. There's a lot of gimmies here, but some of these are going to get tough, all right? So I'm kind of getting the all easy right. ones out of the way. All right. Well, I'll take the, the easy Salt ones. Salt Lake City Stars. Oh, I have no idea who they'd be. Take a guess. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be the Jazz. Yeah, it would be correct. The D-League team of the Jazz. Good job. All right. Let's move on here. All right. Now, this this one's a little tough. The right. Rio Grande Valley Vipers. Rio Grande. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. The Rio Grande Vipers. Mm-hmm. Um I'm gonna have to say I don't know. Take a guess. Well I I I don't know where Rio I'm trying to think of where Rio Grande is, but there's I can think of more than one, so uh Rio Grande. Mm-hmm. I don't fucking know. The Rockets. Uh, Okay, where is the connect? Is there any connection between the Houston Rockets and the Rio Grande? Is that their team is located right on the Rio Grande River? Okay, and, and that is got what to do with Houston? That I don't know. Where their team? I told you some of these were tough. I mean, maybe it has nothing to do with it, but okay, fair enough. All right, next one. Okay, well, you should get this one. Something. Next two, right. you should get right. Austin Spurs. Well, that'd be San Antonio. Okay. Next one. Oklahoma City Blue. Okay. Well, the Thunder. All right. All right. Now, another tough one. Here's a tough one. The Sioux, the Sioux Falls Sky Force. Sioux Falls. Yeah, they're in I don't South know why. Dakota. They are in South Dakota, this <laughs> D-League Dakota. team. Yeah. Oh, Lord. I don't know. There's nowhere, there's no team anywhere near there. Or is there? I don't know. The Miami Heat. I'm not kidding. Wow. Yeah, seriously. It makes no no sense. Sorry. All right. Yeah, that's true. Okay, fair enough. The Texas Legends. Yeah, well, it's not the uh, Texas Legends. Well, my brain wants to go with the Dallas Mavericks, but. Correct. Correct. Yeah, that was kind of tough, so good job. All right, uh, the Windy City Bulls. 
Okay, obviously. Those other okay. guys called the Bulls from Chicago. Land of yep. Bruce Bowdance. Uh The Iowa Wolves. Okay, well, that must be Minnesota. Indeed. The Wisconsin Herd. The Wisconsin Herd. Yep. <laughs> when I hear when I hear herd, I, I immediately want to go to that really horrible guy who ran the WCW and or uh, Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> Think about but, it. Wisconsin uh, herd. Wisconsin herd. Uh, that's not really helping me any. Should be um, a gimme, Tim. Come on. It's not a gimme, Nate. I'm not. I, I don't know. The Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, okay. I forgot that. Yeah, see, I'm not. My American geography is a little shaky sometimes. I understand. I uh, understand. Now that you say right. that, I'm going, okay, yeah, Milwaukee's in Wisconsin, but I didn't. All right. Now, things, things might get a little harder now. There's there's a few more gimmies, but some of these get a little more difficult. The Memphis Hustle. Well, they must belong with the Grizzlies. Correct. All right. Here we go now. The Grand Rapids Drive. Detroit. Correct. The Pistons. Yes. Fort Wayne Mad Ants. Uh, the Pacers? Correct. I happen to know that Fort Wayne was in Indiana. so You, you did well. All yeah. right. The College Park Skyhawks. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I don't even know. I don't know where College Park is. Think about it. Well, what's there to think about? College, College Park, Park Skyhawks. Skyhawks. Well, you already said Atlanta, so it can't be them. I have not said Atlanta. Oh, well, then it's Atlanta, probably. There you go. It's correct. It is Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. I thought you said it. I thought we had Atlanta. All right. Nope. All right. Yeah. Uh, the Greensboro Swarm. Uh, Charlotte Hornets. Correct. Here's a gimme. The 905 Raptors. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> uh, 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 that'd be uh, uh, the city of Toronto. Correct. All right. This one's a little bit more difficult. All right. The Canton Charge. Oh. Canton, Ohio? Ohio. The Canton who's in, Charge. Who's in, who's in Ohio? I I don't know that one. The Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, I should have known that. I should have got that one. Yes, you should have. Yeah. I All right. This this one this one's one of the hardest ones. So we'll ask this one. The Erie BayHawks. Erie. Bayhawks. Mm-hmm. Erie Bayhawks. Okay, so it's got nothing. The team has nothing to do with Bayhawks, obviously. Um, we've already had the Atlanta Hawks. Mm-hmm. We Eerie, have. Erie up in the east there. Uh, huh. Uh, I I don't know. I'm pulling a nothing on that one. The New Orleans Pelicans. Okay, I never would have put those two together. Me either. <laughs> no, not in a million years would I put those. Just two together. a few more left here. Let's go ahead with it. The okay. Capital City. 
the capital city go go. Is that Washington? It is Washington. Yeah. The Delaware Bluecoats. Delaware Bluecoats. Yeah. My brain wants to go with Philadelphia. Your brain would be correct. Oh, well, how about that? All right. Two gimmies and then probably the one I found the hardest. All right, here we go. The Long Island Nets. Okay, well, obviously that's New Jersey. Yeah, Brooklyn. Or Brooklyn. Sorry. Yes. Uh, The Westchester Knicks. Okay, that's the New York. Okay, that takes care of the New York. And probably the hardest one, if you ask me, the Maine Red Claws. The Maine Red Claws. Yeah, this one, I would have never guessed it. Maine Red Claws. Ooh. Red Claws. There's nothing in that name that is any help, is there? No, none. No. Uh, well, thinking of teams we haven't had yet. Red Claws. Remember, uh, not every team. Not every team yeah, has. I realize. Yeah, but it can't be any of the ones we we already had. So, um, Maine. Oh, rich people. Uh, Blueberry capital world. That's my guess. Is the Phoenix Suns? No. You had the Suns already. The Boston Celtics. Maine. Well, no, I wouldn't put that together ever. I wouldn't have either. So you did rather well. You missed the the Rio Grande Vipers. You missed the Sioux Falls Sky Force. Uh, you missed a gimme in the Wisconsin herd. Uh, let's see here. You missed the Erie Bayhawks, which was a tough one. The Canton Charge, you should have got. And the main Red Claw. So, overall, you did well. But that would be like me asking you, well, name the closest CFL football team to Moose Jaw. And you would uh, go. Ontario. I don't know. And, yeah, <laughs> you don't know. I don't know where Moose Jaw is, and I don't know any CFL teams. So I know. I just. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. No, I got what? I got 20, maybe? Yeah, you did well. That's not Uh, too bad. Let me see here. I wouldn't have got got at least four or five of them. I never would have got regardless. Let's see. You missed missed one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, It looks like you missed about six. It's not bad. That's what? 22 out of 28? 22 out of 28? Pretty good. That, what does that get you? That must get you a good B at least, right? Uh, that'll get you a seventy-eight. That's a seventy-eight percent. That's a that's seventy-nine. Yeah, that's not bad. That's a I'll take that. That's a I'll take that all day. Yeah, that's a strong B. I'll take that. And, and honestly, and I'll be honest with you, the Sioux Falls Sky Force, I would have never guessed the Heat were running their D League team out of uh, South Dakota, and I never would have thought that. That the Pelicans so team would be on Lake Erie, and I wouldn't think oh, no, that the main no. main would be the Celtics. The hockey is the, most of the hockey ones are are like that too. You know, the team is within you know shouting distance of the of the NHL franchise, and then yeah. there's a few that are are like like the Edmonton Oilers farm team is in Bakersfield. Why? <laughs> no, I mean, this is a good question for which I really can't give you an answer. 
because hmm. you would think, like unlike the Toronto Maple Leafs, whose team is in Toronto, you know, it's the it's the junior team there, or the AHL team there. So if they ever want to yeah, take I mean, anybody, they're they're right there. I mean, they don't they don't have to, you know, if they, <laughs> it doesn't take the guy two days to get there. Yeah, very true. Yeah, very true indeed. So I mean, I, I get that. It's just. I don't know. It's it's fun to look at, I think, and, and to to try to like guess where they come from, who fits where. So, at least that's I mean, always been my thought. Like when I think about a, a any kind of like a any kind of a franchise in South Dakota, it just is like wow, like that's yeah, that, crazy all on its own. I mean, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. But uh, speaking of crazy, if you'd be crazy not to head on over. To our good friends over at Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, they're doing everything with the comic book world. They are moving merchandise like it's going out of style. You don't want to miss it. They just had a bunch of wrestling posters on sale, and they may be getting more in stock. Great place to stock up on your Funko Pops, on all the things for your man cave and for your nerd cave. Anything you like, they can get it. Get in contact with them over at Facebook.com slash Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Let's hear some more about them. If you're into comic books and collectibles, then you are going to want to check out Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. They buy and sell comic books, action figures, pop funkos, vintage video game systems, vinyl records, and other collectibles. Retro and vintage collectibles are their specialty. They have fair and competitive pricing on all their items. Their prices will make you say, Oh my God! Currently, they run on Facebook, and they're in the process of getting their own storefront in Logan, West Virginia. Give their Facebook page a like and keep updated on new merchandise and announcements for Comic-Cons and store opening in your area. They do ship, but only within the United States at this time. Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, where yesterday's memories are today's future. If you are looking for anything comic book or collectible-wise, you are going to want to do one thing. Assemble. And head over to Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Check out their Facebook page, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Well, we went ahead and we talked earlier. And again, thank you to our great sponsors here on the show. Law Office of Stephen P. News, Strip Camp Fun, Atomic Comics Collectibles, LLC, and Stay Classy Meets are great sponsors. And we brought up earlier that we were going to be talking from Dallas to D.C. Well, we've hit Dallas. Now we head to the nation's capital, out east. Our buddy Chase Hughes from NBC Sports Washington jumped on the show with us, and we got a chance to talk about some of the things going on in Washington. You'll hear news updates on Bradley Bill, John Wall, much, much more headed your way. So let's go ahead and get to that interview now as we start this second half of Wide Men Can't Jump here. As we've been in it for about a half an hour, we got about 30 minutes to go. So hang with us, and here's our interview with Chase Hughes. Here on Wide Men Can't Jump, we are bringing you some of the best writers and people that cover teams from the NBA as we go around the league here before the tip of the season. We went through two-thirds of the league, and now we're bringing in Chase Hughes, who covers the Washington Wizards for NBC Sports Washington. And Chase, thanks again for jumping on and talking some Wizards with us. No problem. I feel like covering the Wizards this year, I might have to get used to uh, you know, being at the bottom of the heat. Uh, you said you already went through two-thirds of the league. 
<laughs> it's I'm, I'm def, I, believe it or not, we are going through two thirds of the league, but we haven't even covered my favorite team yet. So oh, wow. it's more of a just who's available at what time, if that makes sense. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Well, uh, I'll so. take that before your favorite team. I'll take that. Oh yeah, I haven't even went through the Minnesota Timberwolves yet. So and I got John <laughs> Krasinski on speed dial. So, but nice. no, of course not. I go through and you know, there's a lot. We haven't even covered the Clippers or the Lakers yet in the off season. So it's really just about who's available and who's able to come on at what time. It was really in no particular order, but the Washington wizards, um, an interesting team coming into this season, lost a lot of players, brought in a lot of players, um, had an interesting draft at nine. They take row Hachimura. Um, let's go ahead and start at the draft there. Hachimura. What do you like? What do you not like? Do you think he fits what the wizards need? Or did they reach a little bit? Well, it was a really interesting pick when it happened. I think it surprised a lot of us. And basically uh, what the Wizards did is they highlighted Rui Hachimura as one of their favorite players in the draft. Uh, They had him basically in their top six or seven on the big board. And they didn't work him out. They didn't uh, let other teams know that they were interested in him in the pre-draft process. So he was there at nine, even though a lot of other teams probably had him rated a little bit lower. The Wizards feel like they got the guy that they wanted all along um, with a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, I guess smoke and mirrors. Uh, they, they feel like they were able to not tip the rest of the league off. So he came in, and I think there were a lot of Wizards fans who were disappointed just because Cam Reddish was on the board. He went the next pick to the Atlanta Hawks. Um, but in getting Rui Hachimura, the more I've thought about it, the more I think it makes sense. Um, I think his ceiling's a little bit higher than people give him credit for. Uh, you know, he didn't participate in the combine, but you can tell already in the summer league and through the FIBA World Cup that he's a very athletic player. Um, you know, Steve Kerr the other day in an interview with the, the Wizards website said that Rui Hachimura is incredibly athletic. So I think you can see that he's got NBA athleticism. He's also a smart player. Um, I, I think the Wizards see him as a guy who has a really high floor, if not the highest ceiling, you know, maybe a, a – Cam Reddish would offer a higher ceiling as a guy who some have compared to uh, a Paul George. But in terms of the intangibles and his production in college, I think Rui Hachimura gives the Wizards a pretty safe bet to at least be a, a rotation player, a starter long-term, uh, even if he falls short of being an all-star someday, although uh, they feel like he has a chance to be one. Yeah, he was a guy coming out of Gonzaga, Um if, and you probably not listen to the show. I am very critical of players coming out of Gonzaga. Um, <laughs> there's no secret to that. But uh, we'll see where Hachimura ends up. Uh, I believe he was the first ever um, Japanese player taken in the lottery, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe even the first Japanese player ever taken in the draft. Uh, that, so that's, that's a correct. big. Uh, yeah, he has. A, he should be the fourth, I think, Japanese-born player to make the NBA, but he was the first to be drafted this high. That's correct. Yeah, that's uh, and that's that's great for him as the NBA's global reach expands. But let's just go ahead and jump into the big topic here, the one that I know that when you think Washington Wizards, this is the name that comes to mind, John Wall. Will we see John Wall this season, or is he going to be down for another year? And what's his future look like in Washington? I don't think we'll see him this coming season because uh, their owner, Ted Leonsis, uh, just in, over the offseason in a press conference said that, you know, we probably won't see John Wall this coming year. Um, it, basically what the Wizards uh, seem to be planned to, to seem to plan to do is to play it very, very 
safe with John Wall to the point where it's, it's, it's extra safe. It's extra precaution because, you know, he had this surgery to repair a ruptured Achilles in early February. The uh, time of recovery for that is generally prescribed to be 11 to 15 months. 11 months would have him back in January. A full year, uh, he could come back around the all-star break. He could even take an extra month, uh, 13 months, from what we have generally seen from players like uh, DeMarcus Cousins and Rudy Gay and all these guys that come back generally in about 11 months or 12 months. He could even go 13 months, get into March, and still play about 18 games based on how the calendar is and the schedule because it starts a little bit later this year, the NBA season. But the Wizards seem pretty intent on letting him just sit out the entire year. And the reason why is because he's about to start a Supermax contract. He's making $38 million this year. Uh, that deal will go all the way up to $48 million in the fourth year. And they know that they're, they owe him a lot of money this first year, but they're willing to punt on that first year as long as they can sh- make sure that they're getting somewhat close to 100% version of John Wolf for those last three years. So they're really thinking long-term. And also it's important to note, even though this is a uh, really, really restrictive thing in terms of the salary cap, the Wizards will get uh, a lot of the money back from the salary. They'll pay John Wall through an insurance policy. It's around 75% of the salary they'll get back. So um, ownership won't be hurting too much. On court, obviously the team will be affected by it because you're talking about 35% of the salary cap, um, you know, swallowed up by one guy who's, who's likely not to play. Um, if I were them, I would probably bring him back in March and see if you can get something out of him by the end of the season so you, you know what you have in him going into next off season. But it seems like they want to play it extra safe and look more towards 2020-21 uh, that season to bring John Wall back. With John Wall being down this season, looking like for the whole year, um, they the Wizards brought in Isaiah Thomas. They brought in Ish Smith. Uh, a couple guys who are, you know, veteran players that really know the position well. Who looks like they're going to end up being the point guard? Who is maybe penciled in in the Wizards' starting point guard role since Wall can't go? Well, what's really interesting is, uh, you know, even though it seems like the Wizards are preparing for John Wall not to play this next season, they didn't really address the point guard spot like I thought they would. Like, you think if John Wall's out all year, you need a starting caliber point guard, right? Instead of re-signing Thomas Sadoransky, they let him go in free agency to the Chicago Bulls. They could have matched an offer if they wanted to and kept him in town. He's a starting caliber point guard, in my opinion. Instead, they turned to two guys who I'm not sure you could pencil in as starters because I mean, you wouldn't in an ideal situation. If Smith is probably more of a backup at this point in his career. He's 31 years old. And Isaiah Thomas played 12 games last year with the Denver Nuggets, uh, You know, of course, in part due to that hip injury that he was still recovering from. Uh, over the last two years, Isaiah Thomas has shot 36% from the field. So uh, it's a pretty tough point guard situation because beyond them, you've got an undrafted point uh, rookie and Justin Robinson out of Virginia Tech. You've got Troy Brown Jr., who's, uh, you know, he was your first-round pick in, in 2018 and can play some point guard. Jordan McRae can play some point guard. So you have some backup options, but no ideal starter. But given that Isaiah Thomas played 12 games last year, I'm going to go with Ish Smith as the starting point guard, uh, for better or worse. Um, he's a guy who can push the pace, a uh, pretty okay offensive player, not an efficient shooter, not a great defensive player. But with John Wall out, he might be the best that the Wizards got right now at point guard. 
the Wizards are kind of a hodgepodge at a lot of positions. I know at the, they lost uh, – here's just kind of a – and I may be missing a few here. These are the ones that I was able to accumulate during the offseason. They lost Bobby Portis, Trevor Ariza. Uh, you mentioned uh, Staterinsky, Jeff Green, Dwight Howard, who was dealing with injury, Jabari Parker. Um, they brought in Isaiah Thomas, Ish Smith, C.J. Miles, Mo Wagner, Isaac Bonga, Jermio Jones, and this is probably my favorite pickup for any team because this guy, when I watch him play <laughs> – if he's playing my team, I hate him. But if, otherwise, I absolutely love him. It's uh, Davis Bertans. I absolutely love that guy. <laughs> um, he's a fantastic player, and I think he's criminally underrated. And the fact San Antonio let him walk was shocking to me. Um, <laughs> of those players I mentioned, I'm looking at, at Bertans and probably Miles as having the biggest significant impacts for the Wizards. Um, and I was reading an article on The Athletic about C.J. Miles wanting to be more of a mentor. What what are those two guys looking at as a role? Are they going to be strictly just off-the-bench guys, or could they, either one potentially work their way into a starting position? Uh, you know, I think Miles right now probably has the best chance to start of the two, and that beca- that's because, uh, you know, you look at the small forward spot for the Wizards, and they don't have a whole lot of options. Um, you know, I think he might be the best option there. It's either him or Troy Brown Jr., who uh, was pretty good in the summer league, but last year, as one of the youngest players in the NBA, uh, didn't do too well, didn't, uh, you know, gain a lot of trust from the coaching staff. So he's, he's a young player, uh, really needs to develop his outside shot. So until he gets that, it's hard for me to put him in the starting lineup. And C.J. Miles, even though he had foot surgery last month, uh, should be healthy and ready to go by training camp. And because of his track record, I, I, right now I have him as the starting three. For Tons, is better than C.J. Miles right now, but uh, he's going to have to battle it out with a better player than Troy Brown Jr., and that is Rui Hachimura. And Hachimura was impressive enough in the Summer League and in FIBA in the World Cup, and I think he's got a good chance to start. You know, he's coming in with the pedigree as the ninth overall pick. Uh, He can create his own shot, which is something that the Wizards are going to have a lack of in their lineup. Beyond Bradley Beal, I'm not sure he's going to be the second scoring option. Rui might be the most gifted second uh, scoring option that they have, uh, you know, depending on the health of Isaiah Thomas. So we'll see there. Bertans has been more of a backup throughout his career. Um, but also, if you look at the second unit, if he's going to be the backup four, are you going to play him with Mo Wagner as the backup five or um, Jan Mahimi as the backup five? Um, certainly with Mo Wagner, I think there's some redundancy in, the, in their games. But Bertans, no question, and I think Miles, as long as he's healthy, those guys are going to be in the top seven or eight in the rotation. They're going to play plenty of minutes. Uh, Bertans is one of the best three-point shooting big men in the NBA. Miles, two, three years ago, was one of the best three-point shooting threes in the NBA. So those guys can knock down their shots. I think they can really help the Wizards. Uh, But as far as who will start, I think Miles has a better chance just because of the the competition he faces or, you know, you could say the lack, lack thereof. Well, you brought up Bradley Bill, so let's talk about it. A lot of rumors surrounding Bradley Bill, especially uh, the offseason, of course, even before the trade deadline, about Bradley Bill getting traded, going somewhere else and playing, a change of scenery. What, let's just go ahead and clear everything up here with Bradley Bill. What's going on with him and the Wizards? Do you see him sticking around in Washington for a while? Is he a corner piece? Or are the Wizards looking to deal him? I think he'll stick around through this season. The Wizards have rebuffed uh, some teams that have asked them would they trade Bradley Beal, and they said no. And I think a lot of 
signs point to reasons why they would want to trade him. You know, it kind of fits the formula of, of the type of star player that becomes available in trades. But the Wizards uh, see things a little bit differently than some of these other teams have uh, in recent years. And also Bradley Beal, to his credit, hasn't made this toxic situation. He said all the right things. He hasn't requested a trade or anything like that. And it's important to note that he's got two years left on his contract. So, you know, maybe things will change next summer. But uh, right now, the Wizards are definitely intent on keeping Bradley Beal. They've offered him a contract extension that he has yet to decide on. Uh, he has until October 21st to decide whether to take the money or not. Um, a lot of reasons. Uh, to, there are a lot of reasons to believe that he won't take that deal and that he'll try to bet on himself to make more money down the road because uh, with the way the CBA is, is structured, he can make more money simply by waiting. He doesn't even have to make All-NBA and get the Supermax deal. He can get more money. Uh, just by waiting. Um, but the Wizards, they are intent on keeping Bradley Beal moving forward. You know, they've kind of outlined the reasons why, that he's a 25-year-old perennial all-star that, you know, represents the organization the way they would like him to. He's a he's a, a player whose style fits with a lot of other different players. So uh, the perfect type of guy to build around is a three-point shooter, doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hands to be effective. He also plays defense. So uh, the Wizards want to keep Bradley Beal, um, but we've seen how these things go in the past. Sometimes it can be untenable before a team, between a team and a, and, a, and a player, an all-star player who isn't happy. Bradley Beal certainly isn't happy with the way things are going uh, in terms of the, the team and the standings. You know, he, didn't, he doesn't want to be on the team that misses the playoffs like they were last year, and it doesn't look like they're going to make the playoffs next season. So I think the key to keeping Bradley Beal, and that's what the Wizards want to do, is sort of selling him on their long-term future and the organizational restructuring they went through this this offseason and kind of sell him on the plan because uh, a lot of these steps that they're taking might not bear fruit for a few years. So they got to really have Bradley Beal see their long-term vision to make this thing continue to work. Yeah, and speaking of uh, seeing things change in a few years, the Wizards are going through some major front office restructuring right now and it's kind of a uh they're bringing in a lot of analytical guys a lot of the numbers guys the not so much the old way of looking at things um what do you see the wizards doing here with their front office what are they trying to change well i think what they're doing is they're trying to expand their front office because under the previous uh administration it was a, a smaller front office relative to the rest of the league you know, they had done a decent job, I think, investing in analytics and certain, in certain things, but you can always invest more. And you look at some of the teams around the league, like the Sixers and the Raptors um, and the Clippers, they just had bigger operations and more people and more smart people. And I think uh, in going through his, like, his organizational evaluation after firing Ernie Grunfeld in, in April, Ted Leonsis realized that, that they needed more people. And the, kind of the mantra that he's used is, um, more hands create lighter work. So basically he's tried to just add a lot of more specialized people, um, not necessarily clearing out all the people that were here previously, but adding to what they had. And, you know, I think any time that you're hiring uh, a new front office or hiring a new coach, um, it's kind of like the draft. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's nothing's guaranteed. It's very rare that you can bring in someone like, you know, maybe when the Kansas City Chiefs hired Andy Reid, there were some guarantees there that they'd become a winning football team. But, you know, all this stuff is kind of guesswork, and especially if you're trying to do something that charts your team into the future of the league, which is what they're trying to do with this, with the analytics people and 
bringing Sashi Brown in from the NFL and, um, you know, Daniel Medina, a doctor to oversee player health and training. Um, you know, he came originally from European soccer. They're definitely trying to innovate in a way. And, you know, whether it'll work, I don't know. We'll have to see over time. But I think the Wizards do deserve credit for investing a lot more money in their front office than they did in the past. And it seems like they are on to something with beefing up their analytics department. They're, they're, they uh, tripled their investment in analytics. And also their pro scouting, I think they're a little thin in that area compared to the rest of the league. So they're going to they're gonna scout a lot more in terms of around the NBA and around the world. They're going to expand their scouting in uh, Latin America and, and Africa and Asia. And over time, uh, we'll see. But I, I certainly think they deserve credit for what they've set up because it seems like they're putting themselves on the right path. Yeah, and especially overseas, that's becoming to be a, a huge market, especially for the NBA. Look at the international flair that you got the United States. Uh, granted, we didn't we didn't send probably our best <laughs> overseas. No offense to the team that went, uh, but a seventh right. place finishes for United States basketball. That's uh, that's, uh, that's unacceptable where I come from. Uh, but Spain wins, and you see a lot of these. Uh, teams with other pro players from overseas. So it's really growing, and the NBA is becoming an international game. So I'm really looking forward to see what's going on there and what what new would make sense or what what's going to make sense going forward. Um, one thing I want to ask about the Wizards is they're really, if you look at, you know, the Wizards' schedule, they open up with Dallas and then Houston, um, they have 13 back-to-backs on the season, which is, man, that that's tough. That, that's a tough road road to go at there. Um, how do those back-to-backs really affect a team, especially like uh, the, a young team like the Wizards, who people aren't really crazy believing to be in the playoffs. They're not really like buying into the Wizards being this great team. Um, how do those back-to-backs affect the Wizards this season, especially having 13 of them? That's that's rough. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting. And obviously the league has tried to uh, eliminate them, or not eliminate them, but reduce them. And the Wizards, I believe last year, had one more back-to-back, but the ones that they have this year are still above average. So they're, they've got a little bit more back-to-backs than, than some of the other teams in the league. And, you know, when you look at their schedule, the things that stand out is it's a really tough start and a really tough finish. And when it comes to the start, specifically the fact that they have to start on the road and they have to play some tough teams on the road, including going to Oklahoma City uh, after that Dallas game, and then they come back and they play the Rockets, which is a really tough home opener. And, you know, I think that's going to be difficult for them to navigate because they've got so many young players. Um, They really flip their roster in favor of youth, young, controllable players with upside that are are cheaper. So their financial picture looks much better long-term. But young players, it's really tough to win in the NBA when you have a young roster, and it's much more difficult to win on the road than it is at home with a young roster. So I think that's going to be something where we're going to see some some growing pains early on in the season. Now, when it comes to the the back-to-backs, maybe that's when, you know, the youth of their team comes in handy. Although, you know, I have found covering the NBA that it's a really, really difficult adjustment for rookies when they come out of college uh, playing, you know, 35 to 40 games a year, all of a sudden going to 82 games a year. And, you know, Rui Hachimura is obviously the, the, the prized pupil 
the the best player of that group of the really young guys on their roster. And, you know, he also did the summer league and he also did the FIBA world cup. So I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if and when he hits a, a mental or physical wall, you know, uh, how does his body handle that type of workload and, and back to backs, I think early in the season that the, the youth will help you in that regard, but maybe later in the season, it's going to be really tough on those guys who aren't used to preparing for that type of, uh, that type of strain on their body. Um, so it, it will be interesting to see. I think that's one of the things that we'll be looking at all season is this is a young team. Um, how will certain things affect them because they're much younger than they were last year? Because last year you mentioned all those guys who left, uh, Ariza, mm-hmm. Jeff Green, Dwight Howard, even though Dwight Howard played very much. A lot of those guys were older and, you know, 10, 12 years older than a lot of players that they're going to be relying on this season. Yeah, and uh, I'm just interested to see how these young players, as you said, respond to this. I got my league pass ordered, so I'm ready to uh, ready to watch some basketball this season. <laughs> nice. I'm excited for it. Uh, last thing, and I'll let you go. I know you got to get ready for the Nationals game that's coming up here very shortly. I want to bring this up, though. I do this with almost every guest here during our uh, summer around-the-horn season thing we're doing where we're talking to all the different representatives from teams. Wizards. Uh, you said you most people don't have them in the playoffs. What's their ceiling? What do you think they they go to? Um, when? What do you think they go to seed wise? Is what I meant to say. And right now, they opened at twenty six and a half wins. Some people have them at twenty seven and a half wins. What's their total wins this season? What do you think? Yeah, I think their absolute ceiling would be the very bottom of the playoffs in uh, the lesser Eastern Conference. You know, maybe if you get in is the eighth seed with 36, 37 wins, which is something that we've seen in the past, in the not-so-distant past, um, I think that could be their ceiling. I don't think they can be a, a, a team that finishes above 500. I don't know. I don't think they have the depth or the experience to do that. Now, maybe they surprise early in the year and the expectations are reset and they make some trades that, you know, change the picture a little bit or maybe things shake out in the league where, you know, all of a sudden they can surprise people. Um, but I, I would say that they're stealing in, the, in that 37 win range and in, in the very bottom of the playoffs. Now, as you mentioned, the over-unders are much lower than that. They're about 10 wins uh, lower than that. So I think they're going to exceed the over-under. If I, if I were advising anyone betting on the Wizards, I'd say take the over on the wins. With Bradley Beal, uh, you know, if the over-under last I saw was 28-and-a-half, um, you know, if Bradley Beal is an all-NBA caliber player, uh, as long as he has some help, they should be able to eclipse that mark. So I would say expect them to be around 30, 31 wins. They were 32-50 and 50 last year. They let more talent out the door than they brought in this offseason. But I think they might have a roster that will give a more honest effort on uh, the average night. You know, they won't have veterans at the end of the season who have checked out, um, who aren't coachable and who aren't giving, you know, their all on defense or going after a rebound. And also I think they'll benefit from, you know, in theory, we'll see, not going through as much turnover as they did last year. You know, they started making trades in training camp and made a big trade in December with the Suns. Uh, by February, we were selling off pieces at the deadline, you know, trading auto quarter. And throughout it all, they – dressed a franchise record 25 different players last season. So I think they could probably benefit from just 
having a little bit more uh, continuity throughout the course of the season. Um, I, I agree that they've gone away from the continuity idea in the off season. I, I agree that's a good thing, but I think in the season they probably benefit from keeping the group at least a little bit more intact uh, throughout the year. And, and without the financial burdens of the luxury tax bearing down on them, they should be able to do that. So I see them being about as good as they were last year, but you know maybe a little bit easier on the eyes. Uh, I would say, if the effort is there every night from young, hungrier players who haven't gotten complacent in the NBA yet. All right. Well, Chase, I appreciate you coming on here and talking Washington Wizards with us and filling us in on everything in D.C. Uh, let our listeners know where they can keep up with you, follow you, hear any of your work, uh, whether it be in basketball or any other sports around D.C. as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can find my stuff. Uh, at NBCSportsWashington.com. I cover the Wizards. also do a little bit of Nationals um, and uh, a lot of Nationals podcasts called Nationals Talk, if you want to download it. But uh, appreciate you having me on, man. Uh, we'll have to do it again. Oh, yeah, definitely. As soon as the season gets going, we'll definitely get in contact with you and have you back on. I really appreciate you making this time and uh, talking with us. I got your number, so we'll make it happen. All right, cool. Thanks a lot. And that was Chase Hughes from NBC Sports Washington breaking down the Washington Wizards with us. But before we get out of here, Tim, I got to bring it up. Our favorite ball family is at it again. Oh, goodness. Oh, the trials and tribulations of having famous. Indeed. In case you you missed it during the offseason, I don't know how much we brought it up, but one of the heads in the big baller brand, as we all know, the LeVar Ball tennis, tennis shoe company, uh, sporting company. Uh, you know, first of all, they've got a terrible rating. Uh, it takes months to years to get your shoes that you order, things like that. And apparently they're not very good shoes either. Um, apparently they, uh, they had a, an account, somebody in the company was stealing from the company team. You know, a little more about that than I do. It was like $2 million, wasn't it? That is the the alleged uh, Alan Foster is the guy's name, and apparently he was like the you know vice president or whatever underneath the, the great genius that is Levar Ball. Oh yeah, CEO. Uh, <laughs> apparently they were stealing. He stole like two million dollars from the company, uh, maybe even more. We don't know yet, but. Uh, recently on the uh, the Facebook reality show with the Ball family, the <laughs> Lonzo asked his thought, "What is it? Is that the, is that thing called banging with the balls? Is that what it's something called? like that? It, it, it's well, some kind of name. It, it, it's some kind of innuendo kind of thing, I believe. Yeah, something. But uh, apparently, uh, Lavar was asked by his son Lonzo if he would change the name of the Big Baller brand and kind of start over." Uh, and do this a different way since the brand was damaged and LeVar called called it, um, you know, insignificant. Or he said he would not change the name because the, th- the 3B is for the three ball brothers. He goes, I made you superstars um, and we're not going to change that. <laughs> yeah, he said this. You heard I know. It. I heard um, it. He, he also said that just because, you know, uh, you know, that would be like me changing Lonzo's name to Alphonse or Alfonso 
because he's been three years in the NBA and he's damaged goods. So said that to his own kid. Uh, now, granted, of course, this was all, all recorded for t- on television or well, Facebook television. So you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt. But uh, Tim, your favorite person in the world, Lavar Ball. I can't stand him. What's interesting <laughs> though is even if that stuff has been he's your you know, Baron amped, Corbin. Yeah, even if that stuff's been amped up for TV or for social media, um, it does not change the fact that uh, Lonzo has gotten rid of the big baller tattoo won't wear the shoes anymore and has hired the CAA to represent him. So mm-hmm. there's some, there's something going on there that he's not happy with daddy. Well, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Le- LeVar Ball's three quarters crazy. And, oh yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> two bricks shy believes, of a load believes is, you know, anything. I mean, this is a guy that, I mean, some of the ludicrous things he said, you know, I could take Michael Jordan one-on-one when we were, when he was in his prime, I could take him. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Okay. I, Mr. I averaged two points a game in the 12 college games back in the day or whatever it was. Um, yeah, right. Uh, you know, I can out coach anybody in the NBA if they would just let me, you know, if I could have run the Lakers, they would have won a world championship and all these kind of outrageous claims that this guy makes. Um, you know, the kid is bad. To be honest, as, as sad as it is to see a father and a son be in that spot. Uh, Lonzo Ball is, at least on a professional level, is much, much better off as far away from his father as he can possibly get. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree with you. And and if anything, if anybody should want to change his name, it probably should be Lonzo should change his last name. So it's something yeah. else. So that yeah, he, he really should. With that mess. Because I think, you know, the kid took a lot of shit because of his dad. And he did. And uh, what expectations that were too lofty for him, but maybe left alone and out of the spotlight a little bit more, which will happen for him in New Orleans. Uh, he might turn into a half decent player. There is a possibility of it, but uh, speaking of half decent, the show was half decent. And uh, only, we, half, only half decent? No, nah, it was pretty good. It was pretty it was good. Pretty and uh, hello, Josh. I mean, you want to send it over the top? Well, now it's now it's the best show we've ever now had. It's the best show you've ever done. Back sh- background: Josh Brown makes an appearance with two minutes on the clock. Hey, hey Josh, well, Rockstar Games calling for the party. <laughs> oh yeah! By the way, Josh, we got a phone call earlier. Uh, those of you, this is a little behind the scenes. While that interview was playing, we actually got a phone call. Uh, we checked, and they were prank calling us. Oh, uh, but the uh, the number we checked the number out. Apparently, it was Rockstar Games headquarters in New York City. Hmm. <laughs> so, I don't know what was going on there. But yeah, uh, sorry Josh, you missed it. It was just somebody screaming. Josh, your account has been frozen at Rockstar Games. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, your account has been frozen at Rockstar Games, according to Tim. So My account? Yeah. Shit. <laughs> what am I going to do with all my, my you know, Grand Theft Auto money now? That you... I don't even know. When's the last time you played Grand Theft Auto? A long time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, folks, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Wide Meat Can't Jump. I hope you enjoyed it. We had a good time. No Frank this week. I must not have bought any time. Shackelford told me that no Frank this week. But on that note, that means that West Virginia booty daddy, you can now get that ID if you're playing Grand Theft Auto. 
And that, make sure you follow us at Wide Jump. And make sure you check us out on Twitter. Go over to WideMeanCan'tJump.com. Check out Patreon.com slash WideMeanCan'tJump. Should be a new Patreon show coming up next week with Headbanger Thrasher from the tag team, the Headbangers. You're not going to want to miss that. So check it out. Thanks again, guys, for listening in. We hope to hear from you next week. It's been a great show. We're glad you were here. We're on iTunes, Podcast, Static, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and more. Tim, send us out of here. I just want to say that uh, we're uh, getting a posse together. Uh, You need to be familiar with uh, uh, department stores, uh, bars, (laughs) uh, betting places, um, 7-Elevens. Anybody who sells a cheesesteak in the greater Philadelphia area uh, and, and and some knowledge of uh, musicals, specifically Code of Many Colors, can come in handy. Uh, send your resumes to White Men Can't Jump. And that is all. Good day. My Code of Many Colors. <laughs> oh, I love it. I ain't even gotta say it, that's just something they know. Thanks for listening to the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com and at widemencantjump.com. Be sure to check out our blogs over at widemencantjump.com and also be sure to check out all the other shows that we put out. You can find us on iTunes, Podcast Static, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Also, at WideBeanCanJump.com. Visit our store and buy some new t-shirts. They're available now in all sizes. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New at NewLawOffice.com and by Cambay.com. Be sure to visit Cambay.com and use promo code WideBean to get 20 free credits on your purchase. Thanks for listening again, and we'll see you next time for the next episode on the Wide Man Radio Network.